What's up, filmmakers and moviegoers? I'm Zach, and with me as always is... Eric Thurston. I sound a lot better this week, and there wasn't an episode last week because I was dying again. Right, but you've now rectified your face situation. <laughs> you couldn't resist. Couldn't. couldn't resist. For those of you that don't know, last episode I said my face felt like a butt, and now you just made a rectum joke. So that's the kind of podcast you're listening to. Uh, buckle up. <laughs> It's nothing but downhill from here. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, I had a sinus infection, so we had to stop the podcast for yeah, last week. Yeah, we apologize. Yeah. Uh, it was going to be about us, but now this episode we, we is about totally us. We totally ghosted the audience, too. We didn't post anything. No, we didn't and, let anybody know. And I and I was gonna, and I totally spaced. And so I, I, I'm sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, sorry. Moving on. So. Moving on up. <laughs> So a lot has happened since we recorded the last episode. Yeah. Um. Gosh. So Joker trailer. Joker trailer. Yep. And that seems really moody. Yeah, dude. That's kind of uh, you know the. Mm, Jack Nicholson's one of my favorite actors. He mm. did the Joker back in you know Tim Burton like, and it was kind of more cartoony, and it was but. It's Jack Nicholson. I'm like, yeah, nobody's going to be able to do that character. And then Heath Ledger comes along. You know what? I said 88 with such surety. And now you're not and sure. And now I'm pretty sure it's 89. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. <laughs> and then Heath Ledger comes along with the Ledger combination of Chris Bale and um, Chris Nolan and Christian Bale. Sorry. And then Heath Ledger comes along with the Christian Bale and Chris Nolan combination and just blows your mind. Yeah. And after that, I'm like, nobody can touch the... You just can't. You can't follow that up. Like, you don't want to touch that. And they didn't. Well, and then and then Jared Leto does it for Suicide Squad, and I mean he took a different spin, like you know more of a punk rock updated spin to it. And, Meth addict. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I, it didn't bother me because it wasn't like it. It didn't. I didn't take it serious. Yeah, it wasn't like oh, you actually tried to do this. It was a. It's yeah. not offensive. Yeah, it was, I mean, who cares? Uh, yeah. It's a. It's a character. I mean, yeah. yeah. If you if you get to that attached to characters, jeez. <laughs> but then now we have Joker the movie, right? And which is not connected to any of the previous right DC movies at right. all. Which is the problem with the DCU? Well, can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> sure, you can talk. We can okay. talk about whatever you want because we're going to talk about Shazam in a little bit too. But I actually. Uh, there, there was a recent, I, I can't remember the DC guy's name that's in charge over at Warner Brothers, but um, he he voiced that they're going to try and do these like individual stories that aren't necessarily connected to the overall, like the DC extended universe-ness, like what MCU is trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that idea. I feel like that's a really great idea. Not everything needs to be this connected universe just because Marvel's doing it, I mean, yeah, they're making billions of dollars, and I understand why everybody else wants to jump on that. But it's not necessary for everything to be that. I think DC can make great movies that are individual movies, that have no overarching connection to each one of them. Um, Shazam is a little bit of that, although there is a ton of references and callbacks in Shazam 
to every other DCEU movie so far. But I think, I think that's a smart idea. I think that's a smart business idea because it's different than Marvel. And I think people want different. Yeah. I think, I, mm, I don't know, dude, I'm wrestling with that idea. Okay. I do get it. You want to diverse or, you know, you want to differentiate yourself from, from Marvel and you're, you're doing a comic movie. It's pretty hard because DC and Marvel and dark horse and all, you know, there, there's a, there's a, a succinct, story arc that runs through all of them so to to do something different for the sake of doing something different doesn't work for me like i i'm i don't i don't know if they're doing it different for the sake of doing it different though i mean because if you look at comics there's different storylines all the time i mean there's sure there's four different batman stories going at the same time right and it works in the comics yeah so i think them bringing this idea of, Hey, it works in the comics. So let's try it in the movies. I think is if anything, I, I respect the, the, the chance taking. Yeah. The, there's intentionality behind it. I'm not mad at, mad at them for doing that. Well, I mean, but I mean, are are you, you really don't like the idea of not of this unshared universe? I mean, if it, if it's part, I mean, I think that that lends to the reason why DC is so disjointed and hasn't hasn't had the same level of success as Marvel. Right. I think I think like okay, we don't want to have to okay, but play that out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Marvel the their their whole team from Kevin Feige all the way down sat in a room and said we're going to map out the next twenty or thirty years. I with guess, very with 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 extreme intentionality yeah. all the way through and that's why it's working to to do and you can do like Captain Marvel could have been a one off. Yeah. Like it, it totally could have been. I mean, we've got Eternals coming. We've got there's so much that we haven't even I mean, we're but like tip all of the iceberg on the on the yeah. MCU I, and but I think growing up with DC and the and the and the Justice League and that whole thing, those stories are connected. They they just are because they come together. Now they do have their origin stories and they're doing you know, they don't they divide and conquer and I get that, but it's there's it's there's a synergy of of overarching story arc, if that makes sense. Sure. Um <clears throat> So just to do Shazam works for a one-off though I think because of the nature of Shazam on how I mean cuz Shazam like if you understand the background the comic background of how Shazam came to be Shazam was kind of um like the too much of like, like a Superman type of character yeah. and there was they, so much they got sued Yeah and and so um but Shazam wasn't originally DC. Right. D- Superman was DC. And so there's that. So anyway, I'm not going to get into all of that. Um, so for for D- for the Warner slash DC people to go, oh, we're going to do these one-offs that aren't necessarily connected, uh, that's fine. That's their, it's your business choice to do that. Um, however, it's also your, your, you're not going to have the same level of success. Um, and, and it's not like you're trying to copy Marvel though. It seems like there's been quite a few of those 
in know, the beginning for sure. You know, it, and even hiring, you know, jo- uh, jo- Joss Whedon coming over yeah. to do, you know, I mean, it's just so. I don't know. I and James Gunn. Yeah. <laughs> I I I will play. I don't know if I want to say play devil's advocate because I'm not pretending to to support it. I actually I think I do support it. Is that we have the MCU? Um, I don't yeah. I don't need another one, right? And I think that's my argument is that the MCU is working and it's working really well. It is. The, yeah. I don't need. I don't. I don't have to have the DC be the exact same thing. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. And so I really, I kind of appreciate these, these more intimate. I, I, the thing that always worked for me about DC comics or storylines was when they were more like leveled and and grounded and, and intimate in these smaller kind of stories that weren't always like end of the world. But like, you know, I think that's why, I mean, that's why Smallville ran for, uh, what, 11 seasons or whatever. Right. Because it was more, not every episode was end of the world. It's going to, It was know. a different take on on that whole backstory, which right. is great. I mean, you got 11 seasons out of that. Yeah. And I think really, like, I I, I want more of that because I'm getting I'm getting my, my overarching TV series, my Marvel TV series, basically in the theaters over the last 10 years. Yeah. I'm getting that already. I, 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 you know, my palate wants something else. Sure. Yeah. And so I think that's where this, this Joker stuff. Now here's, here's where my kind of shift would be. was like, why didn't they just start out doing this? I mean, we know why they wanted that Marvel money, Yeah, but they should have started with this. They should have started doing these things early yep. on yep and and then if you wanted to do a justice league you you literally have like multi-earths in the dc universe yeah like you have earth one two through whatever i don't even know the like it's infinite i guess technically and you could have very easily had flash three be the you know this multi this earth two storyline and now you had all these individual stories that weren't necessarily connected as much as like the MCU or as much as the Justice League movie was and stuff. You could have had Aquaman and Wonder Woman from different Earths have to come together and and then now you do your Justice League movie. Right. Yeah. You could have started with all of these individual films. Um, but I think there was a course correction. And I think they're going to eventually they're they're going the other way now. Obviously, with these smaller smaller movies, I don't know if I want to say smaller. Aquaman was huge, unfortunately, but um, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. But you know, I mean, it's they they you know they hired Jason Momoa and you know eye candy for all the the ladies and and they built a movie around it. Yeah, that's yeah. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> and now they're doing another movie, which is like a spinoff of it called The Trench, which is just about the place that Nicole Kidman was in and. Uh, I don't want to see Dinosaur Island. I mean, that's whatever. Anyway, I don't know what they're doing over there. It's kind of weird. But um, here's the problem. Here, Here's the, the, so Kevin Feige said earlier last week that, and it actually might have said it a number of weeks prior, but it was in an in a interview talking about Endgame, talking about coming out of Infinity War. And he said, the audience reaction to Infinity War was so much more than what they anticipated. And he said, because the the global audience has developed the these connections, emo- emotional right, yeah. connections mm-hmm. with the characters. Like they're identifying emotionally with them. And there's in some strange way, there's a relationship there. 
Right. Well, it's like, you know, this is reading where a story, DC you get connected. Yeah. Failed miserably. There isn't like, so if Aquaman died, I would have been like, nah. Right. I don't have an emotional mm-hmm. connection there. And, and they, and here's the frustrating part to me about that they have budget, they have amazing directors and yeah. producers and every, writers. I mean, right, they can, I mean, from they have top so to much bottom, money. They, Why are, yeah. It's, and it's not just about the money, they have amazing talent over right. there. But so, I'm just saying with the money, you can get whoever you need. So <clears throat> DC or Warner, if you're listening, hey, we appreciate what, you, what you've done, what you can do, but why aren't you having the same level of successes as that, that your, your budget and your talent can bring? Right. There's, there's a disconnect somewhere, so the, in, in the emotional disconnect. And I think that's why Smallville won. Smallville one yes. because they they right. spent the energy the emotional energy yeah, making that connection. He's not Superman till the last five seconds <clears throat> of the whole series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you're building that relationship. It. I mean, obviously that's different. That's you know, a 45 minutes every week for 12 years or whatever. But well, Justice League for me was an hour every day, five days a week when right. I was a kid. I. Yeah. I mean, I'm like juiced up on. Hey, what new advance? And <clears throat> I was excited about it. Like, D- I like seriously. When I was younger, DC was the jam. Right, I, right. With and the only exception would have been Spider Man. Yeah. Um, wasn't really. I mean, you know, there there was kind of a, I don't know. There it was just kind of the darker side of comics back in the day. In the eighties, were yeah, a real rough kinda, time for comics, right? And um. Wasn't until like this renaissance in the nineties yeah. that like things really started blowing up again and um, getting good writers and yeah. like Warren Ellis yeah. and you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so so now to be sitting here on on this side of that and going DC's missing. They they have the foundation. The foundation was already built. Like mm-hmm. and. And they can clearly do it. Yeah. I mean, you had Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. And oh, those are two the Nolan fan- Batmans were amazing. I mean, Dark Knight Rises has its problems, but it's still... I don't know. I just don't understand, <clears throat> I guess, why... Like, it's it's going to be... There's, somebody's going to write a book in 10 years, and it's going to be like the Feige versus whatever the DC equivalent of Kevin Feige is. And it's going to be like a character study in like why things happen the way they did at DC versus the why the things happen the way they did at Marvel. And I'm, I'm really interested to see because you're now, gosh, what are, what are we seven years into these DC movies? Maybe even more than that. Now. So, okay. That's a good, good question. At what point do you consider, is it post Nolan? Yeah, is that when the, the, the problems? I would say the problems are post Nolan. Okay, the, the problems everyone talks about. I, these are still movies. They're still they still have they still have qualities about them that I enjoy. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, the mm, yeah, I like Black Manta and Aquaman. That's about it, though. But other than that, I think these movies do have their place. You know, Zack Snyder is a an incredible visual list. Yeah. Um, maybe not a, a perfect storyteller or a perfect director, but some of the visual imagery in Batman v Superman and uh, uh, Justice League are incredible. Like, yeah. just they look amazing. Like they yeah. could be water paintings from oh, the Renaissance. Yeah. Um, which is kind of I think it's intentional in a lot of ways. But I just don't know. 
there there hasn't been the correct course correction. And right. it's it's just strange to me that it's taken seven years for them to even kind of get as successful as they are. As, I mean, Aquaman made a billion dollars or whatever, finally. And Justice League didn't even, I don't even think it cracked like 600 million. Like that's, that's crazy to me yeah. that a Justice League movie would not make a well, billion dollars. Again, the emotional connection isn't there. I, I think they, that's they, a huge part of it. They They had a win with Wonder Woman and they needed to go, okay, this is a win. How do we continue to we we need to integrate and spend the emotional energy building that that yeah. connection yeah. and <clears throat> they went they put the cart before the horse exactly. on on a lot of the way they went out yeah um I think that's enough DC Marvel uh, we do that almost every episode <laughs> but uh, if you're playing the drinking game you're not dead um, <laughs> but let's get to uh, let's get to what we've been watching what have you, you watched anything this last week oh yeah I've, uh. So I've been I've been watching a number of things. Let's see, uh, Netflix is my friend, and um, Fast Cars. Fast Cars, okay. Fa- I mean, like this? three episodes into the Fast Cars, and basically, Fast Cars is is episodic in nature. Um, they each episode they have some douchey supercar guy, <laughs> and they they all race a quarter mile. Okay, four side by side. Oh um, wow. Yeah, so it's a different. I mean, it's usually two side by side, but they're like an airport or something. Yeah, there's an airport out in like Bakersfield or somewhere. Okay, yeah, and um, or Barstow, somewhere remote desert spot where it's really hot, not ideal conditions. I was gonna say that's a perfect place for drag racing. What are they thinking? (laughs) Well, it's go to Minnesota. It's remote. You know, (laughs) we're not thinking about engines running in hot conditions. But anyway. And that's but it it's an equal playing field, so that's, that's fine. True. So it's it's one supercar. I mean, they're kind of painting the picture of the supercar douchey guy versus these kind of blue collar sleeper builders. Yeah, and they kind of do a, a brief back history each episode. Okay, of all four of them, and then you know, and then the race. Right. So each episode, you could just watch one and get the idea Are they 30 but minutes? there's um uh i think they're i think they're 40 minutes oh, long okay. or something yeah. like that um but uh yeah and there's and there's a they they're all kind of competing against one another to move on to the next level so if you if you really get attached to one of the story you can kind of follow them as they oh there's a progression there's a progression oh okay yeah. so there's like a bracket yeah okay well and, that's cool um and I've watched three so far, and of the three, the sleeper car beats the supercar, which is fantastic. I love that idea. How I many? love the idea. Two, two out of three? Two out of the three. Yeah. And the funny the funny one, I think it was the second episode where it was a Lamborghini Hurricane, and, oh, um, and the Lamborghini won, and it wasn't even... The kid is a photographer for like all these supercar owners and he travels all over the world taking photos of of them and their cars and that type of thing and so the car isn't even his oh and he doesn't even know like he doesn't know launch control or he didn't know and there is and so he had to youtube it to figure out how to turn it on or off or whatever it was and he he got it figured out and I mean, inter- you know, he's some some kid from ironically Oklahoma, oh. and he, and he he's traveling the world doing this thing, and it's really cool. 
Um, but it's funny because all the blue collar guys, you know, they're they're grease monkeys and they're totally into the the whole thing. And they're like, they're you know, they're judging this like, oh, this you know, douchey guy. Yeah, and right. they, what they really don't know is the kid doesn't. It's not he, even his. It's and, not. Right. Yeah. So they learn that afterwards, and they're like, "Oh, we got you know." He's been driving this thing for three days, yeah, and, he and he's still know, yeah, and he smokes them, right? Because I mean, it's just it's a hurricane. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy, but yeah. it's you know, and it's funny. It's like, oh, this this, it, yeah. So I and that brought back nostalgia from being in that scene and and racing and that that whole culture. Which back is, in your fast and furious fun. days, yeah, yeah. I did. Dr- I drifted for. Um, I competed at an amateur level in uh, California for for three years. Wow! Yeah, so that was fun. Yeah, what did um, you drift with? What was your favorite car to? Um, use? Well, I had I had one of just a very few handful uh, true Sylvia S fourteens. Left side uh, um, or right side right, drive? Right hand drive with the SR twenty DET, um, and then had it all tuned. It was like four hundred to the wheels. Um, 380 torque. It was it. It was a lot of fun. If you're just not joining us, this is now a car podcast. <laughs> um, and then what else was I watching? Uh, watched uh, School of Rock. I watched that. My little throwback. My my daughter's friend. She had never seen it. Wow. And, and uh, so I mean, like, granted, she wasn't alive. I guess when it came. No, out. but all my kids watched it. <laughs> yeah, like, my son. That was like one of his jams, and it, I mean, it's a great, it's it a is. fun movie. It is. Um, and so we watched that. So we fixed that problem for Good. her. Good. And then uh, I watched Iron Man, the original Iron Man. So why did you watch that? Well, I got so cabletv.com is doing a Marvel movie MCU marathon ahead of Endgame. And you submit an application to be picked to do this marathon. Right. And you have to do all the MCU movies. There's like 22 of them in the last 10, 11 years. Um, I think only 21 technically that you can watch at home. Because I think Captain Marvel is 22, right? Correct, yes. okay. Well, and I don't know if they have some kind of arrangement with Marvel to. They to, might now. To, they might. So, um, because this this thing got traction like this because I I saw this on Reddit and movie oh, yeah. websites yeah. and a lot of people were talking about it. So, I started collecting different uh, clips from different MCU movies that I thought, oh, this would be a funny line. Like I I so I think about, oh, this would be funny say this yeah like yeah it'll be fun black widow talking to captain america before he launches her up to grab one of the shatari i didn't realize that's where that was from yeah you say that all the time yeah i didn't realize it's fun that's funny it'll be fun yeah um anyway so there's all these little clips you know fury telling him sir i'm gonna have to ask you to exit the donut (laughs) um so, so I've I, so I collected all these clips. I got a I got some ideas for B roll. I started shooting some B roll. Um, a tweet came through. I think it was like Tanner Fox or somebody tweeted about what would your completely unrelated. Just what would your intro music be? And he <laughs> said, "Back in Black" from ACDC. And I immediately replied. Well, I'm like, well, considering Tony Stark rolled in 
to right. that track in Iron Man. The f- so I'm now I'm back in the beginning of the, and I said I personally would probably go with Black Sabbath, sure. Iron Man, and so I'm juiced. I'm fully immersed. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm watching the first one. So and, I, yeah, you just jumped right in. I jumped right in, and oh. it's so it's so good. Eleven years ago, yeah. And Tony Stark looks so different. I mean, like, oh yeah, I'm like his weird little goatee. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's cool to watch because now we know kind of the culmination of what that started and where we are now. And like, you can just you watch that and you're like, you have no idea. No, you know, you're just sitting. You, yeah, you're just sitting there. I'm like, you have no idea. They had what no you're doing. plan in in yeah. Iron Man one, and and it's funny to watch. I think it's funny to watch now. When you first watch it, you you were like, yeah, this is fine. Like you, they knew what they were doing on set, and but then you hear the story of like eighty percent of the script is ad libbed. They had yeah. basically an outline yeah. while they were shooting it, and it was um, you know Favreau's first like dramatic directorial thing yeah um yeah you know even an action piece at all it's just it's crazy to think that that movie uh is the beginning of what this is now yeah and it's the i you know the the music placement and the nods to that that older audience yeah and um i mean even the that's a good point i didn't think about that yeah, they're kind of they are pushing it more towards the you grew up in the eighties. Yeah, you know who You're Iron the Gen Man is. Xer, right. Even with Robert Downey, they took a risk yeah. because you know at That's that true. at that point, um, you know his tainted past was still pretty relatively close. Yeah, and they were like, well, and it was, and I'm so glad they did. I mean. Yeah, I mean, because millennials, like my generation, then we don't, we had no idea, you right? Know? I mean, yeah. unless you follow, you know, Hollywood history, you have no idea like yeah. what he went through or you know was about. Um, so that it's so interesting now to think that um, how multi generational Marvel is. Yeah, um, that it isn't reliant on a bunch of Gen Xers or Gen yeah. Zers coming in and seeing the movie. Yeah, every generation wants to go see it. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it goes back to um, just the masterfully uh, executed way that they've emotionally connected with the audience. Yeah, and yeah. and that and that goes with every aspect of what they're doing, as far as the casting. The cast is relatively uh, relatively consistent, mm-hmm. with the exception of Terrence Howard, which I'm sure he's probably really bummed now, but. <laughs> Um and uh, uh, Edward Norton. Ed Norton yeah. in the in the in in the Hulk situation. Yep, but I think it's come it's come so far. Yeah, since that Iron Man one, which yeah. is just incredible. I think, and we're back to Marvel again. I know we can't <laughs> avoid it, but you know it it is tis the season. Yes, had, just had yes. Captain Marvel, just had Shazam, Captain just had, Marvel, uh, Shazam, in game coming up. So and we had the new Joker trailer, new Joker trailer. So lots of comic books going on, but yeah, um, something that uh, is a blast from the past that I watched is the first episode of the Twilight Zone. Ah, uh, so CBS release this on YouTube. Right, this is the new this is the new yeah, one. Yeah, so the Jordan Peele hosted. Yeah. I'm going to say Jordan Peele hosted and produced, but I'm that's that's about all so his is involvement. Jo- is he, he so is he no playing other... Rod Serling yes, basically? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yes. All right. He does a really good job. It's nice. it's um I'll I'll lead by saying I didn't like it. I okay. didn't I didn't care for it. 
Um, and my issue comes with it felt like it felt like a Twilight Zone episode from the '60s or '70s, but in today. And uh-huh. a lot of people would probably be like, "Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's isn't that the idea?" Well, the thing is, is like that writing and that shot composition and stuff. It was unique and interesting back in the '60s, but I don't feel like it works in today's modern right. movie making world. Right. And so my issue that came with it, it, a lot of it has to do with the shot composition and the writing of this. So the one that I saw is called The Comedian, and it stars uh, Kumail Nanjiani, who um, he's in uh, Silicon Valley, and he's going to have a show on the Apple Plus, the Apple TV Plus. Oh yeah, thing. Um, More new stuff, right? Which just another streaming platform that you need to spend money on. Yeah, and um, he was also he he wrote and starred in uh, the Big Sick, which is on Amazon. It's a really great film. But um, oh yeah, the Big Sick was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's in this, and he plays a stand up comedian, and you know, um, basically the premise is like he meets this other really famous stand up comedian, but you know, obviously it's not really him; it's the devil or whatever. You know, it's a Twilight Zone, and he basically gets the power that once he gets into a joke that's very personal. And it actually name drops like somebody he knows on a personal level, that person disappears forever. Like they never existed. So no wow. one, no one even knows that they were ever there. So if you go up to somebody and say, Hey, you know, uh, uh, you know, where's, where's Nick at or whatever. And you're like, who's Nick? I don't know who Nick is. Like, like they never existed. Wow. And it undoes stuff that, that they did in their past. Like there's the story where one of the comedians is like a bumbling drunk and he like, showed up to the nightclub um, nightclub. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Nightclub. Fair enough. Showed up to the nightclub, the comedy club, showed up to the comedy club drunk and ran into a, uh, like a bus stop and killed like a, a, a mom and a kid. But once he disappears, sorry, spoilers for this, it's not very good, but spoilers for, <laughs> for Twilight Zone episode one. Um, he disappeared. Like the, 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 the bus stop the is fixed and yeah, it's this whole thing. On. So, but then it obviously it gets very personal. He starts losing people that he cares about and all this stuff. And then is it um, just that one comedian when he says something that happens or is it, he gets rid of a lot of people. Like oh. he starts going through, he has like a list yeah. and he starts, my, my problem with it came with, um, this is going to be a common theme with the next thing I'm going to talk about too. Um, and then we'll get into it with us also is that, they shot it in like a, oh, it's a creepy moment. Let's do a creepy angle. Right. Or, oh, it's a weird character moment. Let's get in their face with a 14 millimeter lens and then make it really shallow depth of field. It's just kind of like, I don't know. It, it felt like and style cute, because cute, of the genre. Cute, creepy music. Yeah. Right? And it felt yeah. like style because of the genre and it didn't really feel earned. That's so funny that you bring that up because- uh, I forget what we were. Wa- oh well, it, we can talk a little bit about it in in us. Um, but my twelve year old said the same thing, not about Twilight Zone, but she, we were just talking about different scary movies and and because they were watching Haunting of Hill House. Oh yeah, bad idea. Oh yeah, bad, bad yeah. Which is, it's great. Yeah, it, it's well, if you that's can thing if you can handle watching. it, go watch it. But. it it's good. Yeah, it's, it's really good. good. But there, man. For the psyche of a twelve-year-old, probably not probably so good. Probably not a good one. But cueing the 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 creepy music, and maybe she's tainted because I've I you know we 
talk about this. We have this film podcast. We, we're, we're in the filmmaking space, and we're talking about all the different elements. So she's picking up on this. Mm-hmm. She's probably going to be some like amazing filmmaker when yeah. she grows up. Who yeah. knows? But she she was like, yeah, you know, I really don't like it when they cue the creepy music and you know it's coming. It's like right. it, it just it doesn't it, it kind of spoils it. You're like, oh, here it comes. I'm like, yeah. wow, how'd you get so cynical at 12 years old? <laughs> God bless the next generation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's just, it's something that irks me. It irks me so bad where it's like you're 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 in the genre. You don't have to shoot it like every right. other genre. Right, yeah. And it, it, it was so borderline throwbacky. Like, I, I, I probably get what they were going for. They were like, this is the Twilight Zone. We want it to feel like a Twilight Zone. We want it to be weird and and, and out there. And mm-hmm. it, But it just, it doesn't work in, in 2019 to me. Yeah, see, that's inter- That's an interesting idea is, is that how much do you, like, if you're doing something like that, right? Like, you're, you're doing, it's a, it's a redo of something from before. You're taking that concept and you're... This is the third time they've tried to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So how much of honoring of the original... right, right. Yeah. How much do you you give homage to the the original style, Mm -hmm. uh, feel, pacing, the whole, everything? And how much do you not? Right. Right. And I think that's where, you know, what's going to work today for today's audience? And I, you know, I appreciate you bringing that up. I appreciate the the idea of, you know, you've got creepy stingers that, that, that come up or these different shots, different angles or different warp effects that yeah. happen. And you're like, oh, it, it's too ham-fisted. And- yeah. You're basically telling me how I should be feeling in this moment. Right. And I want to feel it naturally, organically. Yeah. Um, I don't want to yeah. be, I don't like to be forced Right, my visuals, um, you know, and that was just something about it that I I couldn't I could not get past. It was every time there was something kind of out there or weird. It was a really strange angle, um, or just really shallow and up in their face. Well, you were saying that earlier about um, what was the other thing that you watched? That oh, you hereditary, hereditary, yeah, right, and and it was a lot of that same type of yeah. So hereditary was this horror movie from last year that. I had heard nothing but great things about, mm-hmm. and then I'm I, I decided to finally sit down and watch it, and it was like a chore to get through. Wow! Um, but I, you got through it. I got through it. I did finish, and there's a lot of really great ideas and visuals. But is another one of those things where it's like shot very traditionally until yeah. something weird happens, and yeah. then it's like okay, like I just I just I don't know. I, I feel like your cinematography. Should, needs to work with the story and it needs to have the same, a same tone. You need to know what your tone is. You know, right. your visual style is from as soon as that time code is from zero to the end of your time code. Sure. Like it, it just needs to all feel cohesive. Yep. And I feel like lately a lot of horror movies, they'd rely on this as a form of spookiness. Like too much. Too much. There's another great movie that I watched um, last year that I I don't remember if I talked about it on some podcast or not, but called The Witch. And um, that movie is beginning to end the the same visual tone. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. It's creepy. It's slow. It's spooky. It's got these just terrifying moments. I absolutely loved it. Um, I was expecting something similar with Hereditary. I didn't get it at all. I, I was yeah. I was just kind of like, 
that's that was it. He didn't live up to the hype. Um, it, that, that's a, that's probably a little bit of my own problem of waiting so long to watch it and hearing so many people talking about it. Yeah, yeah. But um, at the same time, like, I don't know. Stop, stop using your Dutch angles for <laughs> your creepy movies. Like, uh-huh. just just stop. Yeah. Um, which you which know, in the beginning when they started doing that might have been a. a Hey, this is a creative way of do in doing that. Sure. And at the time, like, yes, hey, this is this is cool. And there's a season of that. But now we're beyond that season. Now it's just formulaic. And yeah. now it's now you're phoning you're essentially phoning it in mm-hmm. um filmmaking wise. Yeah. Which I mean that I, I think that's the challenge of today's filmmaker. The challenge of today's filmmaker is is that Number one, you have technology that that you've never had that people before you've never had. Mm-hmm. So you have all this great creative. Um, you have options. You have so ama- many options. Yeah, it's it's it, it it's a blessing and a curse. Yes, and but at the same time, you also have all the the decades of filmmakers that have come before you that have done all these other things. So the challenge there is, is is that how do you do something different? Right. How do you how do you take that camera and that lens and that microphone and tell that story in a new and interesting and creative way with the current tools that have n- never been available before? But the the traditional arc of a story is still the same. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, how how we tell stories, you know, you have your protagonist, you have your antagonist, you have, you know, your three act elements, and you know, the whole the whole nine. But how do you break out of the formula part of it to to do something that's new, that's creative, that really gets people? And and it's funny because a lot of people are talking about us. Right, they're talking. The, I've, I've, I've seen not uh, us, but the movie us. The movie us. <laughs> no one's talking about us. Every, well, apparently <laughs> we're we're big in uh, we're big in Norway and um, in the Eastern Bloc countries. Yeah. So thank you for listening. We totally appreciate that. Um, and let us know what language that we should be translating in first. <laughs> speaking speaking of Norway, side side note here. Uh, I I've been watching Vikings. Oh yes, which my yeah. my wife and I we got through like four seasons, um, you know when as they were airing, mm-hmm. but we decided to go back through and because there's like seven seasons now, and um, that show is really good. It is, it is. Yeah, uh, it, it's not on, just because it's my heritage. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, mine too. But it's just uh, going back to story and characters. It's it's very character heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, very character arc, very character dr- driven. Uh, it it's really good. I I, I and you really build like a relate and you build that yeah. relation that that emotional. Um, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the emotional equity. Oh is sure, there. Yeah, and yeah, it's I, just. I would recommend watching it. I think they're all on Hulu right now, um, and I think there's another season coming up, but. Um, yeah, I mean, go, gosh, Vikings, I, the thing that I really liked about Vikings, um, is that they take the time to just like let characters kind of react, yeah. interact with each other. Yeah. Um, and it's not just like everything is a, is a Viking raid, you know, they're not right. always like pillaging or whatever, but, yeah. um, yeah, man, I just, I forgot how great that show was. It's so unfortunate that like 
I mean, it's fortunate that it's that it came out two years after Game of Thrones because uh, it got greenlit probably because of Game of Thrones, right? Um, but it's unfortunate that it's it's just living in its shadow. Yeah. Um, now I'm yeah. not going to say Game of Thrones is is worse or anything, or Vikings is better, but uh, because I I don't think so. But it's just visually, it's it's great. Vikings is so good. Um, there, there's some really great shots in that. Well, and and characters, and of so. course the. Uh the lore which Thor comes from. So oh, now we're back to, <laughs> but no us. So not us, but us. Yeah. The other us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of people are talking about it. A lot of people are talking about, you know, having this spin, this twist. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of YouTube videos that, I mean, just, it's going nuts. Ending explained for yeah, us, yeah. even or, though it's or so twi- or twist obvious. that you missed, right? Yeah, and the thing that I really enjoyed about us from a filmmaking standpoint was it does not follow the composition and filmmaking tropes of here's a spooky moment, here's a spooky angle, right? Um, it I it was refreshing. Oh my gosh, just to watch a film be made like just watching us in theaters. I was so happy with how it was shot. Um, the steady cam movements are just incredible Yep, and there's so many of them. Yep. And it, it felt, it felt, um, it was just refreshing. It was refreshing to watch a yeah. horror movie that didn't tell me to be scared. Right. Yeah. And it like, so me and my little movie buddy saw the trailer ahead of, whatever movie we're seeing that week and we looked at each other and we're like nope like that's our thing we'll look at each other after the trailer (laughs) plays and we'll either it's either a nod or a shake yeah and we got we we vehemently gave the shake and so my wife had been reading some of these different commentaries on it so we're two weeks in to the release and I'm 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 not gonna see it. If you remember, we were talking I know, I about it. I told you it, you had to, I'm and like, you're like, nope. I'm like, mm, not gonna do it. Yeah. And uh, and and then the wife says, I want to go see us. And I'm like, oh, there's here's a re. Okay, I'm gonna give you a little personal insight on why I don't I, I don't mind the the horror genre. I'm I'm totally fine with it. However, don't even think about asking me to go see Pet Cemetery. Not going to happen. Oh, I think it looks terrible anyway. And, and so uh, the problem with my, with horror movies in my family is, is that my wife has nightmares and will wake up weeks after something like that. Gosh. And so it interrupts my yeah. my nice eight-hour sleep oh, thing. Oh, wouldn't want to do that. And, and then my daughter is... No, she no. So it's it's more it just of, wrecks the house it for a does. couple weeks. It wreck yeah. it wrecks the 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 peacefulness in the <laughs> in the in the house. So that's really the main reason why I okay. don't. She the wife was like, "Hey, I want to see that." I'm like, "Really?" And my daughter was like, "Yeah, let's." Go. I'm like, "What?" Your daughter? Uh, yeah. Too? After oh, wow. she w- and she was like, "Yeah, let's go." So off we went. And, oh boy! And. Uh, and I was so glad that I did. I was so glad that I did because, like yeah. you said, it was refreshing. It doesn't. It th- there's there's definitely like these Hitchcock moments. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's such. It was so crafted so well, and it wasn't like these. 
you know, like you said, it's not these traditional, oh, we're going to use these Dutch angles. Right. We're going to do the, you know, these other, yeah, no. It was just like, oh, it hits you in the, it hits you right in the psyche. <laughs> yeah. there. I mean, there's a lot of Hitchcock to it, um, but it's not in the sense of like, it's Hitchcock in in thematic elements, right. not Hitchcock in, because Hitchcock did a lot of weird angles. I mean, he was like the king of it. Right. Um, back in the day. And, and that's but fine he because was he was bring, the original was, one yeah, to do it. Yeah, he was bringing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, he was creating that. Um, so that's totally acceptable. But um, yeah, I, you know, uh, we talked about this a little bit in the on the car ride over here, and uh, you know, I I I appreciated us a lot for the filmmaking and the uh, kind of the overall idea of it, but I didn't really care for it um, storytelling wise. A lot of it fell apart for me, kind of especially towards the end. Um, yeah, I you know you brought that up earlier, and I was like, uh, I don't know, because I've. And plus, there's some nostalgia for me. So let me let me just put that out there. There's so Lost Boys. They yeah. shot they shot in the same place as Lost Boys. There's actually a oh, comment. Yeah. There was a nod to it. They're like, oh, they're filming over by the carousel, which was dialogue in the in the in the film in the opening scene and when the, the when little eighty six right yeah. And it was like, oh, I know what that is. And so, and the whole Hands Across America thing. Right. And so, there's a lot of this 80s stuff that I grew up with and all these nostalgic Did, did you nods do back the Hands Across America? I did not. Okay. I did not do the <laughs> Hands Across America. I was going to ask how that America. went. I'm like, no, I kept my 10 bucks and went to McDonald's probably. Yeah. Um, I heard something about that where they, they made like $35 million from it, but they ended up only actually being able to use like 15 million because of operating costs or something like that. I have no idea. It's crazy. I have no idea. It was just one of those quintessential eighties things that, you know, there's a lot of anyway, but, um, I, you know, I, it was, is this going to be spoilers? No. Okay. But, you know, you talked about the storytelling elements. It was too, um, what was the word that you used? You like you told too much in one sense, yeah. In one you, direction, you went one way you, with it. You didn't go far enough one, one way. It was either it needed to either be, oh man, this is weird, or oh, this is traditional. Uh huh. And it, it went down the middle and not in a good way. Like some sometimes you say, oh that that rode that line. Well, this uh-huh. this wasn't a good line to ride. Um, we're gonna have to get into spoilers. All right. So should I give the spoiler warning? Yeah. Boop, boop, boop. Spoilers ahead. Boop, boop, boop. If you have not seen the movie Us and plan on seeing it without spoilers, pause this episode now, go watch the film, and then come back and you can listen to the rest. We'll see you shortly. Man, I'm so glad we got that spoiler guy to come in here. Yeah, dude, I, I do that. I, it's great. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, so the story, <sighs> man. So- can you do that again? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's a byproduct of me seeing so many movies or knowing so many horror movies, but the the opening scene where she, you know, in 1986, she gets lost um, in, in the Santa Cruz uh, boardwalk boardwalk. Yep. And, you know, it's, She's going through this. It was called something else because it was the wizards one yeah, in the in the house of mirrors, house of type mirrors of thing. thing. Yep. Yeah, like a little fun house type of a thing. She gets lost in it and ends up seeing her doppelganger. And 
it's in that moment I instantly knew that she was not the real she. See, it's interesting because I didn't, and I don't. I didn't walk away with that. I don't but, think most people did. But the trailer, there's a trailer yeah. where you see the the other the the evil the one tethered, if you want to say right. Yeah, the tethered yeah, yeah. grab her neck. Like and choke her, yeah, and then and and so that image that's a very powerful image that sits with you, and so when that didn't when that you cut, yeah, it's not in the opening scene, yeah. So you're like, like, oh, when did this happen? Yeah, you're like, wait, what? At first, I was like, well, maybe they just cut it, and it's just in the trailer, but it's not in the film because that happens all the time, right? Yeah, um, but which bothers me, by yeah. But as soon as running with as soon as they did not show her leaving the house the fun house uh-huh. and they cut to her in uh the this the this the, i don't know the child protective services or whatever the psychiatric thing yeah they were in counseling her, or counseling, whatever right yeah. and then they're talking about how she can't talk i was like that's the that's the underground one like i just knew yeah, it immediately. See, and i didn't get that and so the whole movie i'm thinking please prove me wrong please prove me wrong please prove me wrong and then no it proves me right hard yeah. Because like it hammered in that this is not the good one. This isn't yeah. originally the. But here, here's the thing though. Um, I I don't I don't I don't hate that so much. Um, because I do I do like the theme yeah. of this movie. Um, the thing the theme of the movie isn't necessarily as um obvious as Get Out was. Right. Um, which that's a very very obvious theme in that movie. But this one was more about kind of like class system and and Hmm. and you're a product of where you're raised right and and so you know even though the tethered one the bad one was up above she didn't end up being underground because she switched she still you know she ended up she ended up not being i guess a bad person well she lived a life of privilege right yeah so that's the whole the, the the whole theme of it and i i did appreciate that they didn't um, they didn't just make her like like she was pretending the whole time. No, and then all and he, of a sudden yeah. she's like yeah. a crazy person. You right. know, yeah. It, I I did it. I did like that. Yeah, she was a byproduct of her being raised in a in a home. Even though her dad was a drunk, she was still raised in a home that had it much better off than the underground people. And here's a here's another interesting element to that that I didn't think about that. Um, still thinking about is that even though she, you know, the tethered girl um, lived a privileged life and, but she also lived a life of fear of being found out. Right. And so it, how privileged really was that, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, she, she, it, it's funny because when you watch the first time you, you're thinking of her, she's afraid because of seeing her doppelganger again and the right. doppelganger coming to get her. Um, but it turns out that she was afraid of being caught. Right. And the doppelganger finally getting revenge, basically. Right. Which is what the whole movie's about. And and I, I, I heard when um Lupita busted out with that with that uh that voice. Yeah, when she finally kills I, good good I don't even remember her character's name. Yeah. Um I'll have to look that up. Um but while you look that up, I heard when when she did that voice the red red so red was the lupita's tethered character and her well technically it was her real anyway cuz she's, Adel- she's adelaide adelaide um 
So, but when she busted out that voice on the set, like it creeped everybody out to the point where oh in the house yeah when, oh i was thinking of when she's killing red and she's like doing well, a scream she, and she does so kind the, of like the underground voice the with first that too. time that she does that voice when they when they come into the house and they they kind of sit him down mm-hmm. it freaked the everybody out the whole cast and behind the line and everybody and they did not want they're like <laughs> they were they stayed away from her apparently they were like oh my goodness it's crazy oh that's funny um I, that is one thing i i really i i'm telling you i really like this movie up until the last 20 minutes what, did, what were your thoughts on the opening scene the 86 with the rabbits oh that shot i love that shot just because i love a slow shot my only thing okay this is this is where this movie starts to fall apart to me but that was the opening scene what do you mean is no 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 sorry the rabbits <laughs> if we get back to the rabbits because rabbits because oh no. he the, said the r word well the rabbits the rabbits obviously that shot is from 86 because when when the show's at present time all the cages are ripped open and the rabbits are just everywhere underground um, yeah. Unless they released them all unless before they went did. upstairs. Unless she did when she Maybe. came back down or whatever. Right. Yeah. It, they don't get into it, and um, that's fine. But the the thing that the thing that I had a problem with was who's feeding these rabbits. Who you know? I, I know. Well, ra- you I know, said you had a problem with where did all the red suits come from? Yeah. Too. I mean, this <laughs> is okay. So this is this is where the, my my total downfall of this film starts i i'm gonna have to disagree with you there but go ahead uh, yeah we're i'm gonna get into it though because it doesn't make any sense to me um this this is that that line that i'm talking about so there's a scene where red and adelaide are talking well red's just basically giving exposition for the whole film she's pretty much just talking about the whole thing right as she's cutting the as she's, the little people yeah. the hands across america people but and she's basically telling you what the whole movie's about and why it's all happening. And she says she says one line in there that totally ruined my you know, my buy-in. Mm-hmm. And it's that, you know, back in 80 whatever, you know, they the, the men cloned all of us, but they realized that the clones couldn't have a soul, so they tethered all of us to people upstairs and and then it was it was that line, I'm not saying it verbatim. Uh, I only saw the movie once. Sue me. And <laughs> it's that line though that ruins it because it went because the line wasn't part of the it was it was an unnecessarily dialogue it. for the it. characters in the film. Yeah. Because she the other character already knew it was more it yep. was more in your face for the audience. Yep. Yeah. And it it it, it took me out of that whole hour and a half that you just built up. Because now you've told me you've told me just to, just enough, yeah. That I want more. Now I need more information because now if you're asking me to buy into this world that you've created, that these scientists cloned people and somehow tethered them to people up above ground, now I, now I got to know. Well, then how did you get six point? You know, how, how did you get whatever one point two billion people? to be exactly where they needed to be 20 years later. How did you get 1.2 billion red jumpsuits? How did you get 1.2 billion gold <laughs> That's scissors? That's so funny to me. It just, it, 
Well, it, because it just I, unloaded this floodgate of questions about how the world now how does the universe work? If it would have if it would have not said anything and just been like this is a creepy clone and that's it, like I would have been in. I would have been in and I wouldn't have cared. But because you told me those little that little detail now I needed to know more or else it just doesn't make any sense. Uh yeah, so those are details that I don't care about, that's, and I know and, most and that's what and that's why it didn't bother me. I'm like, I'm like, okay, um, the tu- the whole tunnel thing, you know, the the line, the the text line, the opening it has it says there, you know, there's thousands of miles of uh, tunnels that have no purpose. Yeah, I would have rather not had that either. That yeah, would have been a nice it reveal. Like, it was like okay, I yeah, I didn't need that. Yeah. Um. But I I wasn't left wondering, you know, some of the things universe wise, I think that we look at a little bit differently is that some of that I, I'm like, OK, I don't it's it's a detail. It's unnecessary. Like, I don't care. Like, it's not going to ruin the story for me. Like, where did all the red jumpsuits come from? Um, well, let me be clear on that. It's not ruining the story for me, but it it's causing me to ask the questions. Yeah, because you introduced that one line. You, yeah. you tried to explain. You tried to explain not enough, and now yeah. now I'm now I'm questioning everything because of it. Right, and it's another thing because like there's there's the scene where it shows like all of the people underground mimicking the people from above, and they weren't wearing red jumpsuits then. No. Yeah. So she clearly gathered them. She says something like it took it took 20 years to get all of this t- together or whatever. Yeah. And like, okay, that sure. Maybe she just gathered 1.2 billion jumpsuits. But um <laughs> I, I can get I can, I can get beyond that, but I'm now asking that question of like yeah. now it's now it's taking me out of the world. But the copycat scene where everybody underground is doing the same thing as the above ground people, now that's broken me because right, of yeah. that because now i'm asking questions right yeah and now i'm thinking about it and now i'm like well i would agree with you on that one let me uh, yeah let me yeah. finish that thought because we talked about it earlier but um listeners don't know um what i'm talking about is that everybody underground is mimicking everybody above ground at this like the santa cruz boardwalk you know, hence so, the tethered you, right but where it starts to fall apart now is that red and adelaide or i think it's adelaide why aren't they tethered why is she the only one that's not? And why was she the only one that wasn't from the beginning? You know, she was able to go upstairs and find her and then switch her. And I think there's like a throwaway line about like God chose her or something. Like, you know, she thinks that God chose her to be the one or something. There's there's some line in oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, during the dance sequence. Yeah, yeah. where she's like, you yeah. know, they they all chose me or something like that. I, I yeah. can't remember what it was. But that doesn't explain anything. Yeah. That doesn't explain to me why the, one of the tether girl people isn't tethered right. to the other one. Right. They should have been doing the same thing. And they even get into it. Yeah. She says, when you had to have a C-section for your your second child, I had to cut myself open. Right. And it's like, okay, you were tethered enough but now you're not. And then how are you able to get those 1.2 billion people untethered after 20 right. years? Like that's where it starts falling yeah, apart and I to think, me. And I think that's, so I'm trying to think about it from Jordan's standpoint, right? That's a, it, how does he, like that's a unique challenge that he faced in this particular story is how to, how, how to illustrate that these people are, are, are connected Mm-hmm. Right, in, in a way that that that's 
and and I think that some of the dialogue and and in in that scene that because I'm with you on that scene where they're underground and the other the other tethered are kind of bumping around um doing things that are forced because the uh, above right. ground people are doing them that that's also backwards and and maybe it's because they abandoned the program or whatever that they're that they have to do this now um because obviously there was no organization or right. or, or um, yeah all the scientists or whatever where, are yeah, gone yeah, yeah. And, and what how they're controlling the aspect of it so that was a unique challenge i think story wise for him to try to illustrate how that connection worked and um, well, I mean, what more do you need? They look the exact same. That to me, that's enough of the connection. Yeah, and They're I do. Twins. And I and I think that there's there's enough. So the scene, you know, when they when the boys are in the closet, right? Yeah. And there's and there's that. You know, there's kind of a show don't tell. Mm-hmm. There. Um, and I think it's a little less dialogue with it, that in that regard. Yeah. Um. And a little bit more of kind of how this tetheredness. Yeah, I works. don't think it needed to be so literal. Yeah, it didn't. You know, you could have had very much like they have similar trains of thought, like you know they they both get hungry at the same time or something like that. But you didn't you didn't need it to be so literal. And okay, I, that's what where it, it takes me out. <laughs> what were your thoughts on the the growling and the grunts? Did well, you, when you were in the theater, did yeah, the, the, people laughed in yes, the theater. Same thing. I I don't think that was intended because my wife and I didn't, and then the couple next to my wife didn't either. Um, they didn't. We didn't think it was funny. I thought it, I did think it was a little. It's definitely different. Do you think? Do you think that people were? Because that was my experience too. My, my the theater I was in, people would laugh, and it was. I don't know if it was there, intentional. There though. was kind of a. Well, I think well, it is with the Tim you're, Heidecker you're, character. You're it's on definitely the, intentional. Yeah, and you're on the edge. You, you're on this psychological edge where you're like, what is happening? Right. And then you need... It's almost like a... a Com- like a, a comedy relief? Yeah, like you need some kind of like, oh, I need a laugh See, I because... See, I didn't take it that way. Did, Maybe it's like an anxious laugh? Perhaps, but it was... The second time it came, it was funny. And 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 part of that, I'm like, okay, would I have laughed if, or would I thought that it was funny because it was funny, or would I have thought, did I think that was funny because everybody around me in the theater is laughing? So the Winston Winston Duke's character, when he does it, to me, it felt it felt creepy mm-hmm. and like, oh, he just doesn't he doesn't know how to talk. That's that's really creepy. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. But when Tim Heidecker's character, who's like their best friend or whatever, he's you know he's the he's the rich douche, douchey guy. Um, when when he does it, it was comedic. Yeah, the timing and, and the, yeah. It, and I didn't. I don't. I guess maybe I didn't know whether to laugh or not. Yeah. Um, because at the same time, I was like, I don't know if maybe that's like just our current world. But at the same time, I was like, well, maybe there's like a mental you know, uh, health or mental intelligence issue here that they're going to explain later on in the movie. And I didn't want to laugh at that. Right. Yeah. Cause it felt almost offensive to laugh in right. a way. It, I, I don't know. It, I mean, I'm sure it was probably intended to be more humorous than not. Yeah. And probably 
felt the need to have some kind of comic relief because you could walk out catatonic if you didn't have that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think there was enough other moments, though. I mean, Winston Duke is, like, he's so good in this. He plays the husband. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, (laughs) M'Baku. He's so great in this. And, like, especially his doppelganger is really good, too. Um, But, like, I don't know. I felt like there was enough there and then the whole scene with killing elizabeth moss's and 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 uh and and tim heidecker's family like that that is a humorous scene yeah and it's it's shot humorously and yeah even though it's very dark like well it's it's a very dark scene yeah but you 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 kind of want it to happen because they're all jerks yeah and it's very it's like a very sarcastic well and then they're in the car taking keeping score like right. oh well I killed two it, well yeah. actually no you didn't because she was yeah. she came so back we got one and one I, one and two yeah because <laughs> I, I killed myself yeah <laughs> and I killed myself right yeah I I mean there's 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 definitely less humor in this than Get Out yeah Get Out was a lot more comedic than it was uh, horror or thriller but um, yeah I, I don't know I mean there was just the twist that she's the tethered one the whole time and she switched. You it know, got me. It, it it got me. I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I just it because because at that point ruined it for me. At that point, I didn't. I I wasn't. I was just taking it for face value. I wasn't reading into it, and I didn't even think about the choking scene in the trailer right. until we get to that at the end. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh yeah, duh, and then I'm like, oh. Oh snap! You got me, and then I started thinking. It, 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 I mean, it was just. Did it feel like they were, they were hammering it home too much for you? No. I okay, did. so it did to me, but that's probably because I knew it was coming. Yeah. So see, the I whole time, I I'm just like, yeah. It, see, I didn't think about that, and then I was like, oh snap! That's oh uh, oh, you know, with the handcuff thing, I'm like, oh that, yeah. and then the all, and then it started making sense. Like she was the only one that could talk. Mm-hmm. Like how come the other ones couldn't talk, but she could. And um, yet she hadn't talked for a long time because she didn't know what to talk to. She, yeah, and she didn't want to make it like there. Obviously, she's talking, and the tethers are gonna like what you know. Who, right. who knows what would right. happen there? Um. So, <laughs> but as I as you thought about that, then thinking back on it, go, going so the scene where the the other the boy walks backwards and makes the other boy incinerate himself. I guess you have to have the tether for that scene. So she, well, she gets out of the car and goes to him, goes to the, the boy that's in the red suit and there, and everybody in the car is asking, what is she doing? Because right there, obviously the, the kid, the people in the red suits are trying to kill us. So we need to get, you know, there, we need to kill them first. And, and yet she wasn't, trying to kill him she was like reaching out to him like to try to save him or help him or what you know it was like in the in the rest of the family's like hey what's happening yeah and then and then the reveal that you know it there's the gas and he's gonna blow it blow, up right? blow it up or whatever um and then and yet the other boy walks backwards and he incinerates himself but then it makes you and then at the end after the reveal, right, they're driving away, and the other boy looks at her as if to 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 go, I know, 
Right. I know who you are, but the idea he doesn't he doesn't he's not scared about it. He, like he and it's all and it's like well, there's issues that 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 are being that, so I've read a lot of commentaries and everything, and the idea is is that he was switched the summer before. Yeah, like she got she got the other son, um, because perhaps her her son had figured it out. There was a quote unquote accident that burned his face, so he couldn't talk. They switched them. So, right? Yeah, you told me this. You told me this before we started recording, and I've now had an hour to think about it, <laughs> and it starts to fall apart really quick for me because none of them could talk. There's no way you could teach the underground one, the tethered one to talk in a year. The other thing is that when they're in the closet, the two of them, the two of the two kids, like both of their doppelgangers and he's playing with the thing, the burn one has no idea what it is. Or does he, but he, no. Cause when he, when he finally flicks it and it works, the burn one, it, it, I guess it could be attributed to like he's afraid of fire because he's yeah because burned because he got burned. But by at the it. same time, he fl- he he doesn't know what it is. It, at least that's the vibe I got is he didn't know what it was. But why would he be afraid of fire? Because he's a pyrotech, he, like he's the pyro kid. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. It just it doesn't seem. See, this is I would not be asking these questions uh-huh. if you didn't give me that one line. Uh huh. I would have been like, oh shoot. What? Uh-huh. But you gave me the one thing, and now it's all ruined for me. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't. I, I want to go back and watch it again. Yeah, I, I would watch it again because I just because I want to go. I want to go. Okay, now I know. I know where it's going. Yeah. I know the premise. I know the switch. Right. But are there are there are there other hints of that switch? And is yeah. there a reason for it? Because he doesn't. The, the the other boy that's not burned doesn't talk a whole lot. I mean, I guess that's true. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting to think about. But who switched who? Like, did did the above ground one switch the with the lower ground one? I think the I think the the Adelaide's son figured it out, and before he could something happen at Grandma's house, mm. like she sent him to Grant, knowing that that's where they were able to get there was contact where you could figure out yeah. how to get out switched them nah, you know, know burned his had a, a quote-unquote accident so that he couldn't talk switched them before yeah i'll have it, to watch i'll have to watch it again i i will say this though, i do recommend watching it i think it's yeah. a uh, the cinematography is incredible in it. it it is it's it's very good i mean yeah. getting into the filmmaking we, we talked a lot about story here and um, why it didn't work for me but um, I, I think the filmmaking is incredible. Some of the best Steadicam work. It's just so clean. Yeah, it's so clean. Yeah. Um, the 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 main shot that I'm I'm thinking of is like when she's walking through the maze and then or through the the house the the funny house or whatever fun house, and then she's going she's going down the stairs into the underground and then she goes down the escalator and like it's just so smooth. It's yeah. just It's so good. She's center frame the whole time. Um, and then it ends at the at the shot of the the escalator steps rolling over and over and over again. Right. Um, it's it, it's just great. Um, I think from a filmmaking standpoint, it's it's a fantastic example of how horror can be shot. Um, I think it falls apart in the third act for me, but 
uh, I think it's, I think it's a, overall, it's a great film. So, uh, check, check it out if you haven't seen it yet already and you just got spoiled by it. But, um, <laughs> filmmaking wise, I think, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. It, and it, it's good. And I think one there's so many different, uh, issues that are, that, that Jordan tackles with this. Yeah. Right. Social issues. A lot more, a lot more low, low key. It's it. Yeah. Than, than it's not, out, it's but. not straight in your face, but they're there yeah. and, um, subtle, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, and, and people are talking about it. Yeah. People, I, I was so amazed to see the number of, uh, number of commentaries a number of youtube videos and all all these people that are just blown away and it and it was number one for like four weeks running oh has it been out that long yeah something like that let's talk about what was probably number one last weekend by the time you're listening to this shazam shazam has been out uh i saw it you didn't i didn't but this but i grew up yeah i grew up with shazam so this is the TV yeah. You show. might know most of it then. Yeah, you probably not not a whole lot of spoilers. It's been for you. a while. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna spoil Shazam just to get out the gate. There's gonna be spoilers in this. Um, there's a lot that they do not show in the trailers that is in this movie, and I was pleasantly Thank surprised. Thank you. Um, the trailers definitely play off of the like you know coming of age comedy uh-huh. you know, kid turns into a superhero and then the funny hijinks yeah. ensue. Um, there is a lot of that and it's really good. 30. It's uh-huh. really good. Um, yeah. The chemistry between um, the main kid that plays um, Billy Batson and then also um, the, the kid that plays um, his friend. So it's um, so Jack Grazer plays Freddie Freeman, who's his best friend. And then Asher Angel plays Billy Batson. And then, of course, uh, Zachary Levy or Le- Levi um, plays Shazam. But um, the chemistry, like Zachary Levy, whenever he is Shazam and uh, 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 Freeman, 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 Freddie Freeman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Freddie Freeman. Um, it's great. Like it's it's hilarious. It's fun. This movie is fun in a organic in real way nice um it's not fun like a potty humor joke in the water looking at you aquaman like (laughs) this i really enjoyed it i had a lot of fun uh i I can't remember the last time i had fun at a dc movie yeah i don't want to i don't want to keep bashing it but which yeah so i you know (sighs) DC, it's technically not DC, but it is. Well, they bought them. They did, it, yeah. Anyway, but it's funny because I, I like that this is a one. This one off could work. I, I mean, I hope they make another. They one. probably will like, because of so. how well it's doing. But yeah. but as far as the idea of these one offs, right. like you talked about earlier in the DC thing, I think this works in that regard because. Shazam's not technically really part of DC and was too Superman like and, right. and this whole and that's that's Shazam that's and like his, comic history. And his powers come from something totally unrelated. Um I mean actual magic and yeah. So the fact that this is kind of a s- standalone outside the scope of their universe I'm okay with because of that. Um It's funny though cuz it's very much in the universe. That's interesting. When you watch the movie there's 
constant references to Superman and Batman and Aquaman. And do you think those are forced? No, no, no. It feels very natural in it. It hmm. feels it feels like what we what we were like when we were fourteen. Yeah, you know, with comics and and action figures and you know what yeah. I mean. Like when when we were younger, we had all that stuff. If superheroes were real, okay, you brought up would. you brought up action figures. Oh boy! So we're gonna get personal. Favorite action figure that you had growing up? Yeah, I had a lot. I was an only child. Um, man, I think probably the one that always sticks with me is I had the, it's not so much an action figure, uh, but um, in the 90s, they released a bunch of Batman. Uh-huh. And they had the Bruce Wayne Manor that like folded up within itself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and on one side, it was like his house. And on the other side, it was the Batcave. And uh, then I had like all the Batman from that series, that toy line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember playing with that a lot um and then i had a ton of jurassic park toys too i think that is probably but the batman bruce manor yeah the bruce the bruce banner the bruce manor (laughs) the uh yeah the wayne manor Manor, that's probably yeah that and then i also had like the star trek um oh man this was cool going with favorites oh my gosh okay then probably the batman yeah batman with with wayne manor yeah that's cool that was pretty cool what about you colonel steve austin oh my gosh you're so old i am so old dude oh dude i i thought you were gonna say optimus or something but you would have been 15 i think i was six years old and six million dollar man and um wow and the bionic woman, like they were like the big thing on TV. And was that the one where you could look through his you eye? You could, yeah. There was a hole in yeah. his head, and you could look through the back of his head, and there was like a little lens. Oh my god! That gosh. would it was you know like a little you know, and you could look through, and because he had like bionic eye, and dude, you're and, old. And he came in this um, this rocket ship like pod thing, <laughs> and and the pod opened. And there were like these tubes. So when they rebuilt him and everything, you know, there are these tubes that yeah. would plug into his arm and his leg and stuff like that. Um, you know, and he had a couple different outfits and that type of thing. Um, but yeah, the $6 million man, that was my, like I geeked out and I got like the whole set. Like it was, it was him and a bunch of like accessories and the, the rock, the, you know, the, the rocket ship um, thing he was in. And wow. Yeah, that was okay. That was mine. We we might have to have an episode on <laughs> on toys. Yeah, I'm sure. Because I had a lot. Um, that was like that was my my child vice was was collecting toys. Well, and that was be that, and you know, it's interesting because a lot of the toys that we had came from movies, right? Came yeah, television, from, came from and, films, right. came from those stories. And, yep. And then we recreated and created some of our own adventures and stories with those. And, um, you know, without getting down, I'm not going to go down that road. That's just, that's another rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of the beginning of, of that storytelling and developing that imagination. Yeah. That's actually a really good segue into what we were already talking about, but Shazam feels like and it's funny because there's a scene in it with with a kid and he's playing with a Superman and a Batman. And he's like, you know, mashing them together. He's really young and he's playing around. And then he sees Shazam punch the bad guy and like 
he's flying through the air, you know, and kid freaks out. Um, this, the movie Shazam, it feels kind of like you, you, when you were, when you were seven and you were playing with your action figures, this is that movie in your head. Nice. Like that's cool. Shazam. It's like, it's like that. It's the real life version of what you, what you saw your, your toys doing. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, there's a lot of elements that I had no idea were there going into it. Um, it gets, cause I, I didn't know anything about Shazam. I knew nothing. Um, I just, the only thing I knew is that at one point he was called captain Marvel and then they got bought by DC and sued by DC before they got bought. Um, because he was too much like Superman and then DC bought him in like 48 or something. And then, uh, revamped them in 72 and that's it. That's all I knew. So the 72 revamp is what I lived with. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know about the seven deadly sins being a part of it. Um, and kind of like that there was a, a, a past of there's like seven is a very prominent number. Um, there was, there used to be seven wizards and then there was only Shazam left. And then, um, you know, the whole story revolves around Mark Strong's character unleashing the seven deadly sins, which are these gargoyle kind of style monsters. They're very Ghostbusters-y. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this movie felt very like um, 80s without feeling like an 80s movie. Yeah. So there was there was scenes that you could have seen in a Ghostbusters movie or in like a Gremlins yeah. or something like that. Um, there's like a boardroom scene that actually has, um, well, he was, he was Lex Luthor's dad. So Lex Luthor in Smallville, but he, let me see if I can find him. John Glover is this actor's name. So he plays Mark Strong's dad in this though. But, um, he, he was, he was uh, Lex Luthor's dad in the Smallville TV show. But there's a scene in there where um, all the gargoyle sins are basically wreaking havoc on like a, a boardroom. And uh, it's very Gremlins, which is funny because like he's in Gremlins too also. So there's a lot of that like – and it takes place in Philadelphia, which I thought mm-hmm. was kind of a cool step away from like Metropolis and Gotham mm-hmm. and everything. So, yeah. so the, the, my, biggest, my biggest positive about this movie is it feels – um, aside from the CG, which I'll get to in a second, um, feels real. Unlike almost every DC movie so far, where it just felt like it was in front of a green screen. Right. Um, this, it, they, I mean, it's it's almost entirely daytime through the whole movie. Like each scene takes place during the daytime. Um, if it's at night, it's because they're at the dinner table or they're at like a carnival. There's a carnival in this too. Um, but it's it's all well. It's actually like a Christmas town because this takes place during Christmas. The whole movie, which oh, okay. is one of my favorite things about when movies do it. Yeah, um, Shane Black's a big fan of that. Like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and um, just movies taking place during Christmas. I don't know. They have a certain vibe to them that's yeah. like fun, and um, it's a good juxtaposition. Um, there is a you know a CGI bad guy fight, but it's not it's not covered in like smoke. I mean, there's smoke, but it's not covered in like fire and crazy CGI, and they're not slamming through buildings. They're just they're just like kind of punching in the air, and then they there's not I don't there's not a single building destroyed. Like it's it's kind of amazing. You know, it's this little anti anti Man of Steel movie basically. Mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of ways, and um, but it's a lot of fun. Mark Strong is so bad guy that it's almost comical and I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be. Yeah. He's, he's straight up 
forties Dudley do right villain, you know, like it, it's, it took me a minute to just kind of like go from, is this bad directing or is this supposed to be schlocky? Yeah. And I was like, Oh, it's supposed to be little tongue in cheek, bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, because there's definitely, there's a scene at the end of the movie where they're, they're both floating in the air and something happens and I'm not going to spoil it because it's so funny that I don't want to ruin it. Um, for when you see it, but, um, yeah, the Mark strong, he's, he's great in it as the bad guy. He's always a bad guy, but, um, this movie is a lot of fun. It's got, a, it feels, it feels very organic and a very heartfelt. And it's funny cause it's directed by a guy that's only done horror movies before this. So, but that's the way it goes. Like they, they do yeah. these small budget horror movies yeah. and then Disney or somebody hands them a tentpole movie. And right, yeah. um, the only thing that I, that I think this movie suffers from is that I wish Warner brothers would have believed in it a little bit more and given them like maybe another 20, $30 million because the CG does hurt in a, quite a few moments. Oh, okay. So it feels it a little, it feels a little dated design. in yeah. some of the like flying around, um, well, I, okay. You know, launching from the we ground. Might have to do, we might and, do, we might have to do a part two after I go see it because I'm coming at it from growing up watching Shazam as well as the, the, the Shazam inspired greatest American hero. Right. And that, you know, the, so, um, now I now I'm even more intrigued to see it to see if those like maybe that's a stylistic intent. Do you know what I'm no, saying? No, I don't I don't think it was. I think it it, I think it was a budget limitation cuz this movie was only 80 million dollars, which is r- really low for a comic book movie. I mean yeah. that's that's Deadpool territory. Yeah. And Deadpool, I think the first one was like 60 and the second one was maybe 80 or 90. Well, yeah, because they didn't. I mean, Deadpool did. It was did a risk. A lot it was a risk movie. They, yeah. This is a risk movie too. I get why they didn't yeah. give it 150 million dollars. Yeah. yeah. But I wish I wish they would have given it a hundred million, just a little bit more to really polish those yeah. the CGI because yeah. there is so much magic stuff like zooming around and flying and um, the gargoyle deadly sins look awesome and the character design on them is it's really unique and it, I really dug it. It's, so are they, are they getting into spoilers? Where, I mean, we've been in spoilers. Do you, do you not, do you, are they're there, but they're not visible? No, no, no. They're there. They're, they're, they're physical, um, and they're monsters. Visible. Yeah. Yeah. You literally yeah. see them Yeah, and they're, they're grabbing people and eating people's heads. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, wow. it, it was a little more, um, violent than I was expecting actually. Wow. Um, but again, I didn't know about the seven deadly sins thing at all from the trailers. They, they don't give yeah, any that, of that. Yeah, you don't. It's basically just the one Mark Strong yeah. where he catches the punch and then that's it. That's the only, so I just thought it was just yeah. a Mark Strong, you know, is the bad guy type of a thing. But there's a lot, yeah. there's more layers to that. Um, I don't want to say the story structure is, you know, oh, it's brand spanking new and it flips the genre on its head <laughs> because it is still just, you know. Right. S- guy gets superpowers bad guy shows up so you gotta take the bad guy so down, what you're but. saying is this is like the 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 home alone of comic movies uh you know what it's funny you say that because it does feel it does kind of feel like if john hughes was still around today and he was asked to write a superhero movie yeah this feels very john hughesy in a oh. lot of ways okay yeah. And I can now tell, I'm even more intrigued. I know, I know, because we both love John Hughes. But I think what's interesting is David F. Sandberg was the director, and 
I think it's clear he has a love for like the eighties um, genre movies. Well, you would have, I mean, Shazam, you would have to. Yeah. 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 That's you have, cool. You have to have so some sort of throwback. There's some that, good nods in there, I guess. There, it's, it's really nice. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, I, I say nice because it was nice to go to a comic book movie that um, it felt contained. It felt um, organically. I keep saying that word, but it, it's so rare to kind of have that now that just, um, just that sit back and like munch away on your popcorn, enjoy what you're watching and not critique it. I didn't just sit there the whole time. Right, you and weren't go, worried about uh, how, where, where his, where is this going? Where I don't understand. His suit? How come he's got a cape? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't because it's explained and it's explained with no. magic and that's fine because that's the world you build. Sure. Yeah. The world has to live in your universe and with your universe's laws and rules that you establish. They no, establish them. No capes. Why does everybody in DC have capes? That comes up. <laughs> does it? Yeah. They don't say that line because they were like, well, Pixar will, or Disney will probably get us. But sure. but a situation arises because of the cape. And it's, and I, the whole time, like, I think I looked at my wife and I think she probably said, no capes. Yeah. But um, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was pretty funny. I, I'm sure that was completely intentional. Um, anyways, I recommend this movie a lot. Yeah. Like, go uh, see it. I hope it makes money because I want to see more of I'm it. I'm more intrigued now. Yeah. After listening to you and your and your takes and your takeaways, than I was before. Yeah, and it's not this like oh the world's gonna end storyline. It's so much smaller. Dude just wants a bunch of power, you know. Like yeah. it's yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I left I left like smiling and and having fun, and I didn't leave with a, a big old headache because it was just so noisy and 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 violent and. Uh, loud and, and, and you know it 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 did not feel like it didn't need that twenty minute army battle CGI army battle at the end of it like yeah. like Aquaman did or whatever I mean there is there's definitely a lot of CGI I mean all of the 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 deadly sins are completely CGI but um but you enjoy it like you it's earned like yeah. every moment feels earned in it yeah and you're with it for the whole ride. And it's it's a cohesive story, which that's always been my biggest sure, critique yeah. with the DC movies. Yeah. Is you always, I have a headache afterwards because I'm like, why did that happen then? And why did they then? Where was this part of the movie? Like every DC movie has felt like there's 30 minutes missing, and mm. this one felt like it was storyboarded appropriately from beginning to end. They nice. knew where they wanted it to go, yep. um, and there's a lot of little moments in there that are really clever and fun. And I, I man, yeah, it it. This to me was the first, and I hate such a stupid comparison, but this is the first Marvel DC movie, I think. Uh, it, it feels, it feels, hmm. re- I mean, it feels eight, maybe five, six years ago, Marvel, but still very well done. I mean, even, e- even more so than Wonder Woman? Because I thought Wonder Woman. Landed- Wonder Woman is basically Captain America. Yeah, in World I, War One. Yeah, and I thought it but, landed well. It was well done. Yeah, I, I if, mean, I really liked Wonder Woman, but I think there's something about, I don't know, the maybe the fish out of water thing in Wonder Woman. There's a lot of that, and maybe the jokes. I don't remember them always landing really oh, yeah. great in Wonder Woman. Yeah, I don't remember this, it being every, over uh, the oh, the comedy moments. There isn't much, yeah. but when they are, they, they feel a little forced in yeah. Wonder Woman to me. This one, it felt like, it felt like it knew its tone from beginning yeah. to end and it wasn't trying to be a course correction. Right. It, it really felt like WB was like here. Yeah. Like make your movie. Yeah. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. 
tone. I appreciate you. I mean, that seems like that's kind of what the the overarching subject is of this particular episode. Yeah, is tone. Yeah, um, and that's such an important element of filmmaking is is tone and and a cohesive, consistent tone throughout. Yeah, it and, it really is. It's important. Yeah. I mean, from Art direction to visual direction. I mean, everything, you know, costume design, sound, yeah. score, it all has to have the same tone. Right. And that, that comes from, that comes from competent executive producers and competent directors yeah. knowing how to stack their, their yeah. crew yeah. that can all get on board and, and have the same vision. Yeah. And it, having the right people in the right seats and... Um, and letting them do what they do best, right? Not not overly micromanaged, not over you know, not over directed, not and you know that I'd be curious to see you know some making of or behind the scenes on that, yeah, you know, and and see how what was the I think there's a little bit the out vibe there, yeah. of the crew. What was the vibe of of set the set? It's you know, been really interesting because. You know, when when you watch the the Comic Con panel for Justice League or whatever, no one seemed overly excited to kind of be there. They all seemed very professional and very just straightforward. Right. Um, I got to do this because I have obligations and 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 responsibilities. Yeah, it seemed like more of a contractual, you know, limitation to their to their excitement. Um, Every single promo that i've seen with zachary levi and any of the other like the kid actors and stuff it looks like they're having so much fun just talking about the movie and it's a and i don't know i mean i'm sure there's some pr marketing guy at wb that's like do not ever scowl or be upset in any of these interviews because you know you know but um (laughs) at the same time it seems genuine it seems like they had fun and even so, if you're making a serious movie, you got to have fun with it. So to to, to to summarize Shazam in one word, I hear you saying fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got an exclamation point at the end of the title. Yeah. Yeah. Go see it. <laughs> Give it money because I want another one. Yeah, I will. I'll I want another one like tomorrow. Well, you know. I know. It's not going to happen. But it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I recommend it a lot. So yeah, go check it out. Yeah. Um, That about does it though for this episode. Uh, Eric, you want to close this out here real quick? Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. We totally appreciate you guys taking time and hope that made your commute just a little bit more enjoyable. You can always find Zach at Zach Abbott's on Instagram. That's about it. That's it. Yeah, that's You're it. just on the IG. Yeah, I don't do Twitter. Just rocking the IG. You can find me at Eric Thurston on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And... Where can they find this podcast? This podcast you can find on Anchor FM. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Google Play. Spotify. So if you want to support this podcast, you can support us directly and keep these awesome episodes coming your way on uh, FM, uh, on anchor.fm slash the easy podcast. We have, there's a button on there where you can... You can send your support, which we're greatly appreciative of of being able to continue to do this. 
And if you'd like to email us directly, you can email us at theeasypodcastshow at gmail.com with all your questions, comments, concerns, and complaints. We'll send them directly to to Zach. Yeah, just send them to me, (laughs) and I'll make sure they immediately go in the trash. No, I'm just kidding. I'll actually read them out live. Uh, Yeah, that's it. Yeah, thanks, guys. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers.